The trend in web design, if you look at it over decades, it really is the unifying of UX and visual standards. Websites today look a bit more similar to each other than they did 10 years ago. So what people are concluding is, yes, make your brand different, but differentiate in the content, not the container. Welcome to another episode of The Brand Buffs, brought to you by Frontify, and recorded pretty much between the bridges of the noisiest parts of downtown New York. Well, today we have Andy Crestadina, the co-founder of Orbit Media, uh, based in Chicago, I believe, an award-winning 40-person digital agency. Uh, Andy is a digital strategist and an environmentalist and a Chicagoan. Mm-hmm. That's me. Great. Well, Andy, <laughs> thank you so much for being here. We're, we're more than happy to have you uh, join us on the Brand Buffs today. Thanks, Jen. I'm excited to be here. This will be a fun conversation. Definitely. Definitely. Been looking forward to this for a while. Uh, So something that we begin every chat with is if you could let us know a little bit more about what the concept of brand means to you. In my mind, it's the equivalent of the reputation of a company. Uh, It's also there's personal brands, but we're mostly talking about companies. I've heard it described this way. It's what people think about your company when you're not around. Word of mouth, reputation, top of mind, you know, what category people think you're in, how they think you're different, if they think you're the same. It's it's the context uh, and the competitive set for uh, a business as um, in the perception of the audience. Yeah, that's good. I'm glad that you brought up the competitive set as well, because brand is definitely more than just, uh, you know, visual identity. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so true. So, very, glad that, very glad you worked that in. Um, can you tell me a little bit more about you, about Orbit Media, uh, a bit, a bit what's your day-to-day? Sure. So I'm one of the co-founders. Uh, this is a, a 20-year-old company. Uh, there would have been a party this year, but we're on no parties this year, not yet. <laughs> uh, we are we're almost 100% focused on web design, although we've built a reputation for being good at search optimization. SEO is built into all of our projects, uh, so we're a team of project managers and designers and programmers. Uh, we build something like 50 sites a year. Uh, we've done more than a thousand projects over the over the the lifespan of the company. And now more recently, we've added another service, which is for a certain subset of clients after we launch their site, we do post-launch optimization and analytics, which is both search and conversion optimization. Mm-hmm. So Orbit's a bunch of people who are obsessed with uh, building sites that get traffic and leverage visitor psychology to maximize lead generation. Yeah, that's actually, it's really interesting because I think, you know, for everyone out there in brand that's listening to this, um, you offer a super unique perspective because you're really working on websites and conversion Mm -hmm. and you kind of, you know, need to deal with the brand at some point. You need to, you know, have pages that are still on brand, but they need to be able to convert. Um, Mm -hmm. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, how brand works into that that web (laughs) development world? Okay, we're gonna get into it already. <laughs> I Here know, I know. I couldn't wait I, any longer. No. I couldn't wait. <laughs> uh, let me just kind of a quick disclaimer. 
I, I am um, not an expert on branding, although every project we do touches on branding, every project is a website redesign. Uh, and some of my views on this may be a bit counterintuitive or a, a, you know, not expected at least. I'm on a call yesterday. Uh, this is every day almost, right? This, this comes up all the time. Uh, client did, a, did a, a brand refresh. They gave us the creative brief and the brand assets. We're in the process of redesigning the site. The design's really coming together. The layouts are awesome. The content fits in beautifully. You can tell the visual hierarchy is carefully designed. It's gonna, the navigation labels are clear and descriptive. And it's a, it's a dark colored website with, a, with one bright pickup color of gold, right? But the client says, we also have this brand book. What about these three other colors that the branding agency gave us? Where are we going to use these? Now, my alarm starts going off because that's not a user-centered question. That's not about the audience. She's right. not thinking about the visitor in that case. And I'm like, I don't really see a obvious opportunity for this here. I'm not sure that it would make a difference to just add a blue somewhere because that's in your brand book. Why would, you know, so uh, what do you think? And she's like, well, I thought each section here could have a different color. This section is gold. This section is blue. This section is red. And when you're inside that section, all the elements, all the calls to action, all the navigation rollovers and everything will change that color. Hmm. Okay. Already, right? Any marketer should be having the same thoughts as I'm having right now. That is brand first, but it has nothing to do with the audience themselves, right? It's not a user-centered thing. It's not about conversion. It's not about usability. It's not about, in fact, it has a usability disadvantage. As you click around a website, it's a bit unexpected for the color palette to change. So right. brand is necessary, but there is a point at which the brand is uh, sort of there for like, Brand considerations should not be there for their own sake. Web design, conversion optimization, lead generation, the highest form of thinking in creating demand is about focusing on the audience. Right. What are they searching for? What are their information needs? You know, did this trigger, you know, urgency? Is there social proof here? Is the language all clear and explicit? So why don't we use blue somewhere? Because that's in our brand. I get it. I guess we've got to do that. We're going to do that. It's going to take some extra time programming design. It'll look good in the end, but that is, that's a self-centered approach. So there is a risk of in, in brand centric thinking, there's a risk of being just overly self-centered and losing sight of really the point of this, which is to help other people qualify or disqualify you and generate leads. Right. And I think, you know, that's a great point on the, on the flip side, thinking about websites i mean you have such i mean how many seconds do you have when someone lands on your website to less than one yeah yeah exactly exactly so it's like i feel like there's an immense pressure on you know the copy and what's actually on there and yeah. to have some you know kind of brand output that might not be within that thinking i'm sure uh yeah. can be tough to deal with it actually and that was that one's kind of weird and it will be fine but there'll probably be like this color-coded section layout thing which has nothing to do with the audience or with lead generation. It's just purely to align with the brand book. An even worse example, one that's actually destructive in its ability to generate leads is when people use headlines and header tags and H1s on pages that are super vague and don't mean anything to anybody, right? It's like, mm -hmm. we want our homepage to say in big letters, pioneering a better way or putting people first or you know, just to make that really boring sounding five word version of your brand values. 
that doesn't tell anybody what you do. That fails the backyard barbecue test. If I met you at a party, remember when there were people got together? <laughs> if I met you somewhere and you said, you know, what do you do? And I said, I put people first. You'd be like, what? I don't, I can't understand. What, what are you talking about? You'd be confused, right? Web pages, same problem. So when people put their brand message or some vague value statement in their homepage headline, you reduce relevance for SEO and hurt your rankings. And you confuse your visitors. Your site won't pass the, the five-second test or the backyard barbecue test. Yeah, I, I definitely can see that. And I think, you know, websites in general, there's so many people involved anyway. I mean, oh. you have so many different opinions sure. and stakeholders. And I think everyone probably has kind of different goals of like, you know, what they want out of the website. You know, of course, in addition to conversion and, and good performance, but, you know, websites have such a diverse, you know, team of people that are involved mm -hmm. and at different stages. How do you mm -hmm. kind of manage, you know, the, the goals or targets or KPIs or whatever, um, you know, all of these different teams have, how do you manage that? You know, both the personalities and taking into consideration, you know, the metrics that they're looking at. Yeah. Sometimes the marketer has to use marketing skills to just get through meetings with their peers and clients. Like you have to kind of like, you know, guide their thinking the way that good marketing does. So there's a couple of ways. One is to explain to people that th there's no such thing as a finished website. And I know that you remember doing this from the print world when everything went to press and it could never be changed again. This is not print. It doesn't have to be final. Don't wait till it's final to approve it. Approve it when it's flexible enough to support all the future marketing you're gonna do. So take the pressure off the final idea and put the emphasis on the flexibility idea and you'll get through the process much faster. Uninvite certain people from these meetings. Techno the IT team does not need to be in this meeting. Of course, websites have technology in them, right? Yes, it has to be hosted somewhere, but why are they here while we're talking about you know, calls to action? They have no relevant input to this. So there's certain people that shouldn't be invited, that should be updated, maybe consulted with at certain times, but not really involved. Don't start a committee to give extra input. That was another thing, another different call I was on yesterday. We've got an idea. Well, I, I feel like I see that a lot. And you're saying sure. that's not- A committee? Not, yeah. Oh, no, don't do it. Well, it just, I mean, do it if you have uh, some extra months that you don't have nothing else to do. <laughs> Very Why, true. <laughs> yeah. So work backwards from the desired outcome. If the out, if that if you have a major political barrier where a bunch of people in the company must feel like they were included or they will stop you from launching your new site, mm -hmm. then yes, you have to include them. But that's not a user-centered reason either. That's not about demand gen either. That's mm -hmm. really just about getting buy-in. You know, the, a, a classic example, you know, like homepage slideshows, like the carousel at the top of a homepage. Mm -hmm. There's a joke that was invented to keep people from stabbing each other in conference rooms. <laughs> Because everybody wants their pixels. Wait, where's my thing? HR is, you know, recruiting's important. So HR is in this meeting and they want to be able to say, you know, they get some pixels too. Mm -hmm. No, this is not, it's actually quite simple. The answer to every question is, is the visitor. What does, you know, the visitor lands in the page from whichever traffic source. First question, am I in the right place? If the homepage headline is explicit and descriptive, they can answer that question. Next question. Can this does this company work with people like me? They're scanning down the page with looking for answers. Just always keep their perspective in mind. That will, that will get you out of the woods. It will solve all these problems. Mm -hmm. So who needs to be in that meeting 
right? It's not IT. It's not the product team. It's not brand. You know, it really, whoever is the most empathetic person with the closest relationship to the end user, those are the people that give the most valuable input to web design, which weirdly it's sales. The sales team actually has some of the best insights to build websites because they know what questions the audience asks. Mm -hmm. They know the order that client asks those questions, that prospect asks those questions. Hmm. They know the best answers to those questions. Hmm. They know what quest what clients should ask, but don't. And then you end up concluding like, wait a minute, the web design itself is just a container. That's not the point. The point is the content because why do people visit websites? To get information, to find answers to questions. It's not to see how pretty the brand is or how cool the design is. So to what what extent, I mean, okay, maybe brands shouldn't be involved with, you know, the UX and the customer journey, but there is definitely a stake of brand in creating a website. You know, it's it's uh, the look and feel, the tone of voice, you know, there's there's a lot in there of the brand. I mean, do you get them involved at all? Like to what extent? Well, during so they need to give us the visual standards before we can do design. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to the copywriting, uh, if the branding is done well, then it includes information about the positioning, which tell us what the, how to frame the conversation with this visitor. So for example, if all the website does is say what this, if all the website says is what you do, then it's not reframing the conversation with the messages that align with sales. So a lot about what wins the sales conversation is positioning. You think of us as X and we are X, but we are also X plus one. So what brand can do is help the copywriters inject into the visitor's field of vision, those messages that expand their perception about what this company is. As we said in the beginning, what is a brand? It's what people think of when you're not there. We want to expand their perception. So brand can, uh, the brand visual standards are important for design. The brand positioning is important for conversion copywriting because you want to, you don't want to be in the bland middle, the boring shallow center. You want to be, you want to exceed the visitor's expectations about what you can do for them. And that comes from positioning, which is uh, at its core, that's the brand. Right, right. Well, that's, that's good feedback. I think it kind of puts brand where it needs to be and kind of puts, you know, the team that should be working on the website, you know, on the website. so that's that's cool. That's really interesting. <laughs> I, 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 when you and I, so we've talked before, and you've heard me kind of rant about about brand a little bit, and I know I was pretty direct. I, I think you, I think you heard me say something like, "Visitors don't care about brand; they care about their own problems. Brand is unimportant to visitors. Tell me a brand that you really name a website you visited to see what that brand was doing, or to read a brand story. No one visits websites to see what that brand is up to. People visit websites yeah, to solve their own said- problems." I quote you, I wonder what, nobody asks, I wonder what story Walgreens is telling today. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine? Which, yeah. uh, fair, fair point. And I think also you had mentioned too, you know, brand can own the about section. So, hey, brand can own that, right? Oh, great point. Thanks for the reminder. That That is get in there, get obsessed, go all in, mm-hmm. talk all about the story. They're great at that. Right, they've got the story down. They've got all they they can uh, produce all of the, you know, the about section, the team, pe- the people pages, 
all those things, you know, the, and that those are really popular pages. Every analytics account I've seen, and I have access to like 500 of them, the about section is always one of the most popular pages on every single website because people do want to feel a connection, but only after they know that this company is a possible partner for them. Right, provides what they need. Yeah. That's good to know. Yeah, Very the about cool. section, go get in there, brand, <laughs> go nuts. There's a joke, they say that websites should make the visitor the hero in the story. When websites talk too much about themselves and use the language, we, 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 then you failed the French test because you <laughs> said, we, we all, you know, then the next joke is common. It's like, don't we, we all over your website. <laughs> but the about page should fail the French test. That's what that page is for. So fail the French test in a big way and tell that beautiful origin story tell your passion, the reason you exist, this company slays dragons, we need, we're, we're fighting, you know, the good fight over here. That's where that story belongs. <laughs> I love it. So what do you do on the flip side of that, right? I mean, you have, I'm sure, worked with a lot of companies that have really strong brand teams with the, you know, opinionated and involved and, um, what do you do when maybe a company doesn't have a strong brand, whether it's like visual or the positioning or just kind of even their messaging or, or how they talk about themselves in general? How do you actually approach when they don't have a strong brand? <laughs> that might be even harder sometimes. Or when people like they hand you a business card and say, that's my brand. What? That's a brand? This is a piece of, you know, that's not, it's a tiny, there's a little bit of, low, you know, visual asset here, but yeah. Uh, or when the client says, I've got a logo, but feel free to change it. Oh, We're no. Not, yeah. <laughs> you don't even know. You're not committed enough to your you know, to your mark that you're just going to ask your web designer to just have fun and play with your logo. Like, that's a weird idea. It's uh, Those are also problems when someone doesn't know how to talk about themselves. So we have a, a questionnaire we send to clients when websites kick off. Mm -hmm. uh, so that a little bit of homework they do up front. And the first question is, what is the six to 10 word version of what you do? It's actually a very difficult question to answer, right? Because yeah. if you don't have a strong brand, if you've never considered this before, uh, it might be really hard. And, and we ask that to force the issue, right? And we eventually want to get to a homepage headline. The, head, the H1 tag on the homepage has to kind of, as I said, it should be descriptive about what you do. That's so, the hardest for sure. Yeah, Boiling it's hard. It that, yeah. Yep. So uh, there are cases where brand is sort of this overlord that can, you know, push projects, you know, months over time or read, you know, have us, you know, change something that was, that would have been excellent usability. But in other cases, it's the opposite problem where the brand is so weak that the client really can't describe how they're any different from anyone else. Mm -hmm. That's, that's uh, makes it more difficult. Something else I see too that I'd love to get your feedback on is, and maybe it's just because I work in the tech world. So I'm seeing kind of these new products pop up all the time, but it feels like, you know, the, the websites and the things that people offer these days are a bit, you know, more complex. It's not just like, you know, Coca-Cola selling something or maybe like, you know, jeans or shoes or whatever. Mm -hmm. It's like, you're seeing pretty complex you know, uh, offerings, especially from tech companies. Um, how do you deal with something like that? Do you still think it's like you can boil it down as easy? Well, there's a, if you're building a site with search in mind, you're trying to find the, the key phrase that people use when they look for you in your category. Uh, 
and then when they land on the page, yeah, if it's like a service, you've got no visuals to show the service usually. That's especially difficult. Yeah. Or if it's an innovator or an inventor, they made something that never existed before. Maybe there is no key phrase people use. No one searched for this. No one knew this thing existed. Mm -hmm. uh, if it's so complex that it takes you know, a five-minute conversation on the phone to even describe what this company does. you know, So you handle these things each. Again, just focus on the visitor. So visitor searches for the product category. We're a challenger brand, so we're kind of relevant to the category, but we're going to expand their thinking. You may still want to rank for the category term, mm -hmm. the industry name. And then once the visitor lands, you the top page block on the landing page might be um, what they expect. But quickly thereafter, I would use visuals, a diagram to show your process, if it's a service, or maybe an explainer video sometimes are good ways to show people uh, a really complex concept uh, that something's customized. And then regardless of, uh, you know, keep in mind that some visitors will have been here before. Mm -hmm. Some visitors heard about you from word of mouth. They're already inclined to work with you. And for those people, they just need to see evidence. Pages have two kinds of content, answers to questions and evidence to support those answers. So that means testimonials, certifications, awards, data, statistics, years in business, logos of clients you've worked with. None of these are things that the visitor came to find, but they're all things that support everything else that they see. Mm -hmm. So it's regardless of how complex it is, uh, websites are sometimes just very successful if you fill these pages with evidence and uh, supportive elements so that uh, the visitor who came and kind of just gets the gist, the general gist, they still, the site still kind of glows and builds their interest because uh, you're clearly legit. Right. Um, aside from all the amazing testing that you're doing and, you know, uh, shortening the barrier to buy, uh, whatever it is, uh, through websites, um, what do you see? Is there anything new that you're seeing? Do you get the feeling that there's like a certain direction that websites are starting to move into? Well, so this is year 20. So I remember when we did all kinds of weird stuff, like <laughs> skip intro, like we did like weird navigation styles and bizarre rollovers and like, you know, full page animation, like weird stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, the trend in web design, if you look at it over decades, it really is the unifying of UX and visual standards. Websites today look a bit more similar to each other than they did 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. There's, uh, so what people are concluding is, yes, make your brand different, but differentiate in the content, not the container. It's easier for your visitors to interact with your site if, if the UX is mostly expected. You know, navigation is horizontal in the header, sub-navigation is smaller and above it, contact is in the top right, logo's top left, contact's also in the bottom right, the footer is tall, like there's single, single, you know, single column layout, you know, with 50-50 page blocks for like, you know, get rid of carousels, but have a homepage featured area with call to action in it. The next page block should be high enough to be partly visible. So these are, I just described more than half of the new websites being designed, right? Yeah, so the, yeah. Yeah, completely. so the unification of design standards is helpful for visitors. So that's that's something that, um, that's part of the big trend. But then where are you different? How do you stand out? Where do you get weird on this thing? In the copy, in the <laughs> content, in the visuals, right? Yeah, There's still yeah. plenty of opportunity to be creative. Yeah. Don't be creative in UX, that just makes you confusing. Be creative and differentiate in the content because that's ultimately, you know, why the visitor came to 
to get to this website. You know, that's what they're here for. Yeah, I totally, I totally understand where you're coming from. And I think there was kind of a learning curve, like you said, of people actually learning to use websites and kind of yeah. UX how they were meant to to be used. And I remember, you know, when everyone started using hamburger menus. Exactly. At great, the beginning great. of that, when you have the hamburger on your website, you know, people are freaking out. They don't know what's going on, or at least some of them. Yeah. So and now it's everywhere. So um yeah. I can I can completely see that. That's that's uh, that's funny. That was I, I should have mentioned it. Excellent point. That's the best example. The the early hamburger icons they had like a, the word menu next to them, and then I remember seeing a study that they tested you know hamburger without the word menu or with it, and the results were the same. Hmm. It just became a convention. It just became a yeah. so so that's um, it's a benefit to your visitors to uh, align with UX standards. It's a benefit to the brand to do strong differentiation in the copy and the content. Right. So for the, you know, we have both brand managers, marketers, some designers, some UX designers that that listen and kind of follow the podcast, um, you know, as these teams try to navigate and move forward, you know, do you have any, you know, things that they can take home with them or kind of words that you can leave them some takeaways? Yeah, uh, this might sound obvious, but if you look at most websites, you'll find that there's gaps. Uh, look at any page and ask your, any page on your site, probably go to analytics and find your top pages and start with those. But take a look at these pages and ask yourself, uh, is the most important and compelling message on this page also the most prominent message? In other words, is the messaging priority aligned with the visual hierarchy? Mm -hmm. Example, there's a lot of people who have a big page block that says testimonials in big black letters. And then below it in tiny little letters, it says, this is the best company I've ever worked with in my life. It's like, what? <laughs> Why wouldn't you make the little text that says it's the best company ever, the big text, right? It's like a game you can play, like just go scan through any URL, right? And just ask, is the most compelling piece of content on this page also at the top of the visual hierarchy? Often no. Second, experiment with weird long calls to action. I think that's working really well. Calls to action, you know, you could test, you know, if pink versus green buttons work better, you're not gonna find much difference. But if you change the words in the call to action from, uh, contact us to schedule a conversation with a brand expert, you'll have a different, that's very likely to, get, to lead to a different result. Your designers might not like that you want to use eight word buttons, but that, that's actually making a difference. Specificity correlates with conversion. Hmm. Um, and then finally, I mean, just generally, uh, put evidence and testimonials and data on every page. If you've got a testimonials page, take a look. It's probably the least popular page on your website. Visitors don't go to websites to read testimonials. Inject that into their field of vision all over the place, but don't put all, it's like serving a dish of all garnish. It's like, here's your parsley. What? No, no, I didn't want, that goes everywhere. It goes on everything. So answer evidence, answer evidence, call to action. That's the formula for a high converting service page. I love it. Yeah. So for everyone out there, there's some interesting growth nuggets in there for you too, just in your everyday work. Um, Andy, thanks so much. Is there anything that you want to add that we haven't gone over yet? Uh, I guess, uh, anyone is welcome to connect with me on LinkedIn and educate me. Cause I'm clearly ignorant on some of these topics. <laughs> I was purposely a tiny bit provocative. This is just one point of view. I know that I have a lot to learn yet in my own journey, but, um, uh, I, I welcome the conversation about, uh, 
and, and the education personally from any listener who wants to connect and, and, and um, offer another perspective. Uh, I'd welcome that. Great. Well, Andy Crestadina from Orbit Media, thank you so much for teaching us all about uh, the role of branding and marketing and web development. Very interesting stuff, very relevant. So thank you so much and we'll have you back soon. Thanks, Jen. If you liked this episode, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast in your favorite podcast app or visit frontify.com forward slash podcast.